Welcome back everyone to the podcast series brought to you by the International Arbitration Group at Denton's. With more than 40 partners and 120 lawyers, our group is widely recognized globally, trusted corporations, states, and high net worth individuals for their most challenging international arbitration matters. In our last episode, we ended our first season by looking at investor state disputes. Today, we want to look at what trends and developments were seen so far this year and set the stage for what is to come this season. Hi everyone, my name is Rachel Howie and I am the Deputy Lead for Litigation and Dispute Resolution in Canada Region and a co-lead for the ADR and Arbitration Group here. Today, as we kick off our second season of our Arbitration from Denton's podcast, I'm pleased to introduce you to our new co-host, James Langley. James is a partner based in our London office who focuses on international arbitration, both commercial and investor state. His experience spans a number of sectors, including energy, infrastructure, telecoms, and shipping. Thank you, Rachel. I'm really looking forward to uh, this series and covering some very interesting topics, I hope. Well, I have spoken enough at the outset, so I will turn the microphone over to you, James. What are some of the trending topics that we have lined up for our listeners this season? Thanks, Rachel. Well, I don't think it will surprise anyone to hear that I want to start with ESG, an acronym that um, is actually seemingly everywhere right now. Uh, people will know, but ESG stands for Environmental, Social and Governance. But I think it's fair to say we're hearing more about the environmental part of that than the others at the moment. And I think there are various reasons for that, but um, one from my own part of the world in the UK is the forthcoming COP26 gathering in Glasgow, which people will be aware of. Um, the other reason, I think particularly in a legal context, is the series of high profile court decisions involving climate change related issues. And one of the most interesting of these was the Milia de Fonsi versus Shell case in the Netherlands, um, which, uh, which many listeners will be familiar with and which resulted in order that the Shell Group reduces global emissions by 45% by 2030. Um, it's a decision which is under appeal, but it has, I think it's fair to say, sent shockwaves around the world. I think one of the interesting questions is whether climate change claims could play out in international arbitration. Uh, I think cases like the Shell one just mentioned would in all likelihood always play out in the local courts, given the nature of the issues. Um, but it's perfectly possible to imagine climate change related claims in arbitration. Um, and indeed, in 2019, the ICC Commission published a report on resolving climate change related disputes through arbitration and ADR, which identified a number of hypothetical cases in which parties might agree to arbitrate those disputes. So um, an important topic and uh, one I think we'll return to. Uh, later on in the series with a dedicated episode. Um, uh, but Rachel, I think you had some thoughts as to how uh, those sort of claims um, might arise. Yes, thanks, James. And, and I agree. I think one of the most interesting aspects that I find on the topic is exactly how matters falling under the ESG banner materialize into claims, defenses, and potentially counterclaims in international arbitration. As a potential example on the environmental front, will we start to see local environmental regulations or obligations ground defenses or counterclaims in response to investor claims? 
such as one might hypothetically see with respect to uh, climate change matters and obligations on, on that front. Uh, similarly, will we see the social and governance sides provide a basis for claims as between co-venturers? These could occur during a project, but there is also a substantial potential for post-transaction disputes in this area, which takes us to our next hot topic. So I will turn the microphone back over to you, James. Thank you. So hot topic number two, which I'll touch on now, uh, and again, I think we'll return to later in the series, is post MA disputes. And uh, this is an area where we've seen a real increase in instructions in recent times, and I'm sure that's the case for practitioners around the world. Um, I, I think the main reason for this is the huge increase in MA activity that we've seen. Um, probably on the back of a period of inactivity, actually, during the, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, lots of companies either have cash to spend or need to generate some liquidity through asset or, or share sales. Um, and, and I think that's what's been going on. Um, and there are, I think, particular sectors where we see this playing out. Um, one of those would be um, in the oil and gas sector, um, divestment of, of, of interests, um, also acquisition of mining concessions around the world and there are you know, particular hotspots that we that we can talk about and also I think investments in, in new tech um, and I think many of these deals fit into wider economic trends that we're seeing renewable energy digitization electrification of, of various sectors and, and so on um, now I think many Many of these deals are done between commercial parties or parties acting in a commercial capacity using SPAs, and many of those will have international arbitration provisions. So it's natural to see them playing out in international arbitration. Um, and I think in addition to that, many of these disputes benefit from having arbitrators, tribunals with expertise in these sorts of disputes or in the relevant sectors involved. Um, so again, I think a natural fit for international arbitration. Um, in terms of what these disputes look like, um, often they'll concern earnout provisions, um, disputes around completion accounts and the amounts to be paid and also warranty claims. Um, and you know, we assume these give rise to some very interesting issues around damages and, and so on. Um, so so um, certainly want to return to. Uh, Rachel, interested um, to know, is this something you're seeing too in the work that you're doing? Yes, it has in fact been something that we've seen in the past and continues to be the case, uh, perhaps in part due to the size of transactions that take place uh, along with or in addition to the speed for closing in some cases, it can be more convenient to diligence certain matters after the fact and build in a post-closing adjustment process with an arbitration clause. Uh, and it will be interesting to see going forward whether the uh, preference for arbitration and in particular international arbitration for some of those deals increases uh, or if it or if it sits at the same level. Um, you've mentioned several sectors where we see this a lot and I expect it will extend uh, beyond oil and gas and mining into new energy areas as well such as renewables and, and biofuels because one area where we do tend to see this uh, quite frequently is with respect to environmental matters and uh, environmental uh, due diligence uh, investigations. Looping back to your comment earlier, James, on mining, another hot topic that we do plan to cover this season will be a focus on mining and international arbitration. In particular, given the pace of regulatory change, 
the importance of international arbitration to the sector and the expansion into new physical locations, for example, for lithium mining and precious metals to meet growing technology needs. In addition, there are transportation and security issues when venturing into these new areas, uh, both at the site and in transit. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think it's uh, an interesting area and security uh, in particular is an interesting issue. Um, we see lots of examples of opposition to mining projects around the world um, and, and no doubt that will continue. Um, and I think that's connected with another relevant issue on that, which is um, damages in, in mining cases. Um, uh, as listeners may know, many cases in the mining sector and elsewhere use a discounted cash flow analysis or DCF, um, which seeks to value the investment by reference to future cash flows, future profitability over the remaining years of the project. Um, but I think there's some interesting questions here, particularly when the mining operations haven't started um, and where it's foreseeable that there may be delays or disruption to operations in the future, whether that's because of security issues or, or, or whatever it might be. So um, uh, lots of fascinating issues to talk about with that. And, uh, uh, and, and again, definitely want to, to cover in more detail at a, at a later date. Um, so uh, issue four, hot topic four, um, last but by no means least, we thought diversity and inclusion was, was something that was an obvious area to cover right now. Um, hot topic in society more generally, but um, also very much coming to the fore in international arbitration. Um, and we have to recognize some of the figures here are, are still quite stark. Um, to give just one example and without um, uh, singling out any one institution, if we take the most recent um, statistics from ICSID regarding appointments in 2021, um, I should make clear these are all appointments, so it's arbitrators conciliators and ad hoc committee members, the total percentage of female appointments, so looking at this from just a gender perspective, was 31%. So um, not enough, but actually quite a significant improvement on just 14% in 2020. Um, and, and whilst those numbers clearly need to increase, um, even within that 31%, there are some significant disparities. Um, when we look at the detail of who's appointing those, those female arbitrators. So, for example, only 13% were appointed by claimants and only 6% by co-arbitrators. So I think room for improvement there and, uh, and much work to be done. I completely agree. It is uh, encouraging to see those improvements. And of course, there is uh, a lot more room for positive movement in that direction. And what I do find particularly encouraging and what will be interesting to discuss in detail uh, later on in this series are the dedicated efforts by several institutions and groups to address diversity and inclusion head on. We are unfortunately out of time today to delve into that. It will have to remain a topic for a future episode, but I do look forward to discussing those initiatives later this season. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us today as we introduce our new co-host, James, and set the stage for the wide and interesting array of topics that we will be covering this season. Thank you, Rachel, and thank you, everyone who's listened, and uh, we really look forward to this series. It should be uh, very interesting. Denton is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice. 
and you should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Please see dentons.com for legal notices. Thank you.